welcome to the eighth episode of the Spirit Hunters. This is Hannah. This is Sarah. This is Patrick. This is Joe. And Megan. 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 <laughs> so, last time, bets were placed and hearts were literally ripped out as our the Fab Four and Tompa managed to beat the prisoners in the last of the Majority World Challenge matches. Now, our heroes must wait out their 50-hour penalty. But once it's done, what will await them? So, you better get ready. Episode, so our, the next episode is episode 12, Last Test of Resolve, or Last Test X of X Resolve, or Saigo no Kakugo. The Japanese release date is December 18th, 2011, with the Toonami release date being July 16th, 2016 in the United States. The manga chapters will cover chapters 22, where the first manga chapter release was August 10th, 1998. And the 1999 episodes will be covered 17, 18, 19, 20, and holy shit, that's a lot of episodes. And the Japanese release date of the first nine episode is February 19th, 2000. How did this heart cover four, <laughs> four. episodes of the so, 99 version? It, it actually turns out it only covers one. Uh, 18 through 20 are like a side, like a filler thing. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> it's just where it fills into the, it fills in the gap. But They had it's to not escape the room. They had to like figure out and do some fucking MacGyver <laughs> shit to get out. So, Oh, I'm going to explain, but it's some shit. Oh, gosh. Okay. Good shit or shit? Uh, it's actually good, but I'll get into the details later. Cool. Okay, so with the start of the episode, we see that Greta is the fourth person to pass the third phase of the exam. Woo! Ooh, good job. Good Woo! job, bro. Fourth is not as good as third or second or third or first, but it's something. At least he finished. Yeah. He survived. He's <laughs> yeah. in the top five. Top five. His uh, character design is wild. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. <laughs> Wait, is Greta the Black Panther looking man? Mm-hmm. What do you mean Black Panther? I'm like, wondering what you mean by that here. Like <laughs> Afro set, like revolutionary look. Or to like him. oh, that's not how I'm reading him. Oh, oh, oh was okay. he the one who looked like he had like um stuff like like coming out of his skin? Like he took like a bunch of like pink pencils and poked <laughs> out himself all over. I don't know who you're talking about. Goretta is the black guy with the natural hair. Yeah. Oh. But, the, but the thing is, I, I don't know this for a fact, but are you guys aware of the Scandinavian tradition of Svart Piet? Oh, no. He, he's no. this guy. He's this clown-looking he, guy. He is. So oh. in, in alternate Christmas traditions... People think instead of Santa Claus being from, like, the North Pole, that he lives in Spain and has a guy who is formerly a slave named Black Peter, Svart Piet, who is now just, quote-unquote, his buddy. And he dresses exactly like this and is played by white dudes in blackface at Christmas time. Okay. He looks exactly like this. Look it up right now to the point where I'm just like, is this problematic? Greta? I would say I mean, yes. Anything with blackface is problematic. No, but I, the thing is, I don't think I don't think like Goretta is actually in blackface. I think he is oh, actually no, no, a black no. dude. But his... the fact that his character design looks like that, I don't know if it's really based on it. But man, it looks like it. Oh my god! You seeing it right now? Holy what is shit! It called? How do you spell it? Uh, uh, just type S- in just type in Black Peter Santa. 
That's bad. I don't know. I don't think his character design is really based off it. I thought he was actually. Whoa! I holy kind of shit! Ooh, 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 oh ooh, my ooh, no. god! That's awful. Wow, this is not okay. Ooh. Wow! Oh my god! Because I well. first, I if not knowing that, I would have just guessed that his character design was like kind of seventy-ish jester. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was I was thinking more seventies, but now that I know like historically this existed, and like I can't unsee it, or like I can't think of any other, you know what I mean? Like it could be coincidental. Yeah, it could be coincidental, and I'm hoping to God it is. Yeah, let's just let's just hope. But like I mean, to be fair, Japan has had a very problematic um, view of most foreigners. Um, yeah. And especially, especially, especially non-whites, non-white and non, yeah, like especially non-whites, really, because um, even other Asian cultures, not they're not, they weren't at a point, and media reflects that of being super inclusive. Um, like if you see like modern um, talk shows or um, variety shows now, they'll include more foreigners, and they'll include, you know, not just like white foreigners, they'll include like African American foreigners or. African foreigner, you know what I mean, but yeah, uh, it's kind of crazy though. I know people that went to Japan and like they want pictures taken with them because the, yeah. you know, they're tall and black. It's like oh geez, it's kind of uh, like Asian, and it's like in ah oh, different. It's like it's a it's obviously foreigner. It's obviously mm-hmm. like of course like who will be seen as like a obvious gaijin versus like if you're from Southeast Asia or in Japan if you're from Korea like yeah. <laughs> Korean and Japanese tension always <laughs> always that, very always rocky ho- <laughs> it's always a hoot to read yeah. history of the that you know if you guys want to guys want a, a fun trip check that out Korean yeah. versus Japanese I'm, I'm you'll gonna... actually find it on the internet versus Japanese history books so yikes yeah. big yikes um, energy Generally speaking, though, it's not just Japan. Just a, just a disclaimer. It's all of oh, Asia. Yeah. Oh yeah, all of, yeah, that, all of Western yeah. or Asian cultures, like oh, in general. Yeah. So, quick story time. If you guys don't know, my fiance is African American. He's black, mm-hmm. um, and we were in the Philippines, and he didn't take offense to this, so that's why I'm kind of sharing the story. But mm-hmm. we were in the Philippines in um, Manila, and we entered mm-hmm. an elevator with a young boy and like his family, and it was everything was fine. It was silent up the elevator, and all of a sudden, this young boy just randomly yells the word "Kobe Bryant." Oh, <laughs> my, God. oh my god! Oh my god! Out of fucking nope. nowhere, Philippines, <laughs> Filipino boy. He he just said the first thing that came to his mind. I could tell his mom gripped him a little tighter. He like she didn't say anything verbally. <laughs> she just like. Mm. Um, and, like, I just started laughing, and Tommy also started laughing, but, like, it was one of those things where, like, Jesus Christ, like, I mean, yeah, this is kind of a funny story, but, like, because a child oh said it, but the Wait, fact was, that... Was this, was this pre or post-Kobe death? This was pre. This was, like, okay. in the summer, this summer. Okay. Because okay. so. if it was post, I'd be like, yeah. that's really weird He's, to say, dog. Yeah, yeah. that's weird. No, but he just I said... Mean, I think weird. he just said the one black person he could come to mind, and... It's stuff like like that happens. Like people will mm-hmm. try to touch his hair. People will try to just like gawk and stare. Like it's it's a very different experience going to a foreign country. Not that they're rude or anything. They're just it, it is a little be rude. It's super rude. Uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. it's like for it's sure. A, it's it's hard. It's a very I don't know. I can't speak personally, but that's just like one story of someone I've been 
in a vicinity with in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So a little funny. I think I think it was kind of funny. <laughs> Kobe Bryant out of nowhere. Why? Who knows? Jeez. We don't know. He didn't he didn't say hi. He didn't like <laughs> Oh my god. He didn't even look at Tommy uh... while he said that. He just said the words Kobe Bryant and felt like maybe there'd be a reaction. <laughs> Dear Lord. Wow. <laughs> Um, so you also have the yeah. factor of him being a kid as well, so yeah, well, yeah, I like no one really took offense to it. He wasn't like mm. saying a slur or anything. It's just more like yeah. this is awkward. It's yeah. awkward. Yeah, no, it's it's just like awkward. an awkward situation. Yeah. But uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so Greta, am I right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is problematic. Um, yeah. So anyway, the team. Um, the Fab Four, as now I will call them, they have 10 hours to finish the exam. However, they're still just chilling in the room. Um, so basically, in the room, Tompa is like spilling and sipping the tea about Lorio's bad decision making. I don't know why you guys just got to keep throwing shade at him constantly. I mean, yeah, Jesus. Have, yeah, Tompa does not like him. Well, because Lorio's also the biggest ass to him, yeah, too. Like, <laughs> they both are dishing it in, but they both can't take it. So, <laughs> Damn, I would have punched her. I would have yeeted Tompa off that bridge after we were done with that. I know. Like, Oops, you tripped. <laughs> Tompa is known as the rookie or rookie um, rookie killer. Crusher. Yeah, the rookie mm-hmm. killer. So like, I think Leorio's just like the easiest target. Like, by yeah, because he gets riled up. Everyone yeah. else is like, whatever, yeah, whatever. We'll just ignore Tompa. It's fine. It's majority mm-hmm. rules, guys. Right? Like, yeah. Tom, Tom, uh, Leorio's like that. That that giant that giant Italian dude at the club that gets worked up and he's kind of <laughs> kind of hammered a bit. Oh, you want to talk to me? You want to go, huh? <laughs> um so in the room they they're all kind of like messing around and um they're about to, everyone's sleeping except for Kiloa who can't and he and Kurapika is like talking to him and Kiloa's like yeah I can't I can go 2 days without sleeping and so in order to remedy his lack of sleep he decides to start a pillow fight with Gon <laughs> <laughs> Very cute and Gon and um, Kilua basically dick around f- during the 50 hours as they wait. Um, like, suspicions are on the rise with Tompa. Um, I'm, try- I'm trying to remember why he wrote that. I think I think it's Leorio's, like, suspicious of him or something like that. Very sus. Yeah, yeah. I think they're, it was kind of at the breaking point because Leorio was, like, tired and he couldn't sleep and Tompa's feet was in his face and he was just... He was just sick of Tompa. He's like, you, you there, sneak, you a snake. Lot of, I hate you. There's a lot of nasty feet stuff going on this, ep- <laughs> this episode. It's making me very uncomfortable. Not my fetish, so I didn't like it either. <laughs> yeah, kink shame. <laughs> um, so um, we go back to like the end of the exam room, um, or like the yeah, and mm-hmm. so Pokal and Ghost finish mm-hmm. at the same time. 30 hours and 4 minutes, and then 30 hours later, Somi is the 13th one to pass at 61 hours and 54 minutes. So this gives us context about just how much time has passed. For a second, I thought that said Somi the 13th. I was like, damn. (laughs) I wonder what happened Um, to the other 12. (laughs) 
I mean, there's ancestors, dude. It's a long dynasty of somies. Yeah. Di- uh, dying at the dark, at the uh, at the hunter exam. Did you almost say the dark tournament? <laughs> I almost said the dark tournament. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I was gonna say interesting thing about Pokel and Goes because at first I was like, man, Pokel's really weak. How did he get through here fast? And I realized, oh yeah, Pokel's a magical beast hunter. So while he's weak, he's probably very smart and good at like noticing clues. So he was able to get mm-hmm. through. Goes on the other hand is not that smart, but is incredibly strong. So that's probably how he got through. Just punch mm-hmm. through the walls. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after waiting for hours, the team is now getting ready and waiting impatiently for the door to open. And like once it does, Gon's the first one to rush out. And it's kind of shown in kind of like a mix of flashbacks slash just like really quickly. But um, apparently... Like a they- montage. Montage. It's going to be a montage. (laughs) They go through, like, basically a ton of dangerous obstacles to make their way to the bottom of the tower. And um, they reach this point where they have one hour left, and they run across two doors, one with an X, with an X and one with an O. And they have to debate which one to go through, because the door marked O will allow five to pass. But it takes 45 hours to make it through. While the door marked X only allows three to pass, but it's super easy. Yeah, and that, that's what I thought. I loved the concept because I, I thought the way that they were going was, oh, maybe they're going to, you know, go, okay, two people are literally not going to win. It's going to mm-hmm. be one of those drama things where it's like, on the next episode, a <laughs> right. very special episode, Hunter, Hunter, one, three will win. Two will fail. Mm-hmm. Who will be chosen on CBS's Hunter Hunter? <laughs> so it's super tense. And that one, basically, Tompa grabs a fucking axe and starts like slashing at Loario. Like, <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> I know. And then Kurpika and Gon try to stop them. Um, and then, like, it gets to a point where um, I think Gon gets like some inspiration. They're like, he's like, wait. And so, because um, he notices that when either I think so, either it's Tampa or Liario swung an axe back and it got chipped down some of the mm-hmm. brick wall, and was he was able to, he yeah, saw it. Tumpa. Yeah. Speaking of swinging axes, uh, guess what's coming out this week that we're going to be playing the shit out of? What? Animal Crossing. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. I was like, what the fuck combat game <laughs> okay. like, features an axe? Doom Eternal, no, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm super excited for Animal Crossing. Me too. I just thought about that, and actually, it's gonna be when this drops. It's gonna be a day after that comes out, so Ooh. we gotta share some friend codes on the thing, visit each other's neighborhoods, and yep. do the the the, the was it the the turnip market and get and get hella money. <laughs> I my um work actually has a switch, so I'm debating if I should just bring. My little the cart. The card, and so that way I could just play it during work. <laughs> I, th- I think he doesn't. I don't don't think the safe transfers, so you might need yeah. to bring yours. Oh, I think really? that uh, the look into it, but I'm pretty sure he's right that like it's locked to like whatever switch you play it on first. That's okay. Then I'll just have to bring my switch to work. <laughs> Nothing cool. wrong with terrible, that. I'll just have to bring it to work. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. Um, okay. So going back um, to the episode. Um, Basically, we see our, like, the Fab Four pass through. They make it to the bottom of the tower. First with Kurpika and Kilua. Um, Kurpika being 20th and Kilua being 21st. And then Gon being the 22nd. 
um, candidate to pass. And their mark, their um, time mark is 70, 71 hours and 59 minutes. Oof, just in the nick of time. Yeah. And then you see, like, um, Leorio and Tompa kind of, like, kind of, like, they're making their way as they're pushing each other and, like, um, talking shit to each other. And they manage to pass through at the very last second. And their time is still... Um, twenty seventy one hours and fifty nine minutes. Yeah, they did like that that sort of fake out where it's like, oh no, they did the w- one path, and you see them in the background mm-hmm. running across. Yeah. <laughs> and at first, like, how do they do that? Maybe they cut their arms down or cut their arms off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just managed to squeeze through. <laughs> um, basically, then they're like, oh my gosh, everyone passed, and then we have kind of like a flashback into where you see them. They, um, I think. If you guys want to elaborate this part. The Gon brings up the fact like, we can smash through the walls at some point. And so they all decide to press O and they go through the O, but there's like a brick wall um, that's in between um, the O tunnel and X tunnel. And they just use the axes and weapons in there to break down that wall. Mm -hmm. So they are able to go into the X tunnel and take the fast way down. Nice. Smashing walls, my favorite band. It's yeah. it's very much like a gone characterization moment because he's always snatching victory from the jaws of defeat either by like almost cheating or doing things that are beyond the scope of like the stated problem and actually seeing like what you could really do. He's always looking for possibilities. He's like the Joseph of the of this anime. He's no, he's like what if Goku wasn't an idiot? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and that's it. That's the last of this episode. They made it. Woo. Woo. Um, so we'll go into dun, 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 some dun. language lessons. And for the title of the episode, Last Test of Resolve, or Saigo no Kakugo, um, the go in both Saigo and Kakugo is different. Um, Saigo in Saigo, it means last or end conclusion. In Kakugo, it means resolution or mental readiness. Um, could you someone explain what the abandonment? It also says abandonment on Wiktionary, but I oh. wasn't sure if they meant abandonment or abandon, which is a mm-hmm. phrase that is related to abandonment. But abandon in the sense of the noun is actually right. like, you know, like not giving a fuck and like, you know, being ready to do something without like caring for things around it. And oh. so I wonder if it was resolution abandon, but like it phrases abandonment and I couldn't do enough study to determine which it meant. So I just went with it. I mean, that makes sense. So it's like abandonment, like um, oh, I'm trying to think of like the idiom that goes with that. Like free but- of cares, free of. Free of abandonment. Oh no! Like the idea of uh, like with with crazed abandon, something like that. Oh, yeah. with I, crazed I like, abandon. I like how I like how Joe was like is like abandonment. The 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 the, the feeling of freedom is like oh Jesus. <laughs> I guess on one side it'd be a feeling of freedom, the other side <laughs> not so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This isn't like a direct thing, but in Yu Hakusho, when Hiei first perfects the Dragon of the Darkness Flame. Or maybe before he even perfects it, maybe when he's, like, pulling it off. No, it's when he perfects it. He says, I'm the only one with the drive and the abandon to, like, recognize the full potential of the dragon. And so that's, like, another instance of it being used in the sense of, like, you know, recklessness and not caring for things. Mm-hmm. I gotcha, I gotcha. All right. That's cool. Um, on to the manga, Dedham. 
Uh, so the waiting room bottling is sort of uh, cut out, so it's mostly just them, that first part where Kilwa describes his technique, and mm-hmm. it basically cuts to, you know, 50 hours later, and it was just literally a text that said 50 hours later, and them running out, looking at their watches. <laughs> was that Wait, like, does... a, like a Spongebob title card? Yeah, like 50 yeah. hours later. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, does he do that in that room, or does he do it outside, and then they just go it's, into it's the room? It's in the room. They were sitting, oh, okay. Because they show the shitty... The room looked a lot shittier in the manga. It looked like some... Shanty looking. Yeah, it's a fucking cell. Here's the thing in the anime, like, they got off better because everyone else who completed early just waited in a room without couches, no books, just like an empty stone room for 60 hours waiting for everyone else to finish. Darkness just imprisoning them. All that they see, absolute horror. (laughs) They cannot live. They cannot die. God damn it. Find myself. Find my holy cell. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Continue. Alright, so, um,. Uh, it doesn't show them fighting over who stays behind or, you know, accidentally realizing they can harm the wall. It's sort of just talked about at the end and makes it more surprising. And Gon said he got the idea from the Johan... The, the, why did I put Johannes? The Jonas fight. I don't... Uh, yeah, I don't know why that... It might have just gotten autocorrected because Jonas, the way it's spelled earlier, is not a fucking name. His name um, is Jonas. Yeah, but, like, long story short, basically, it shows them, like, having the dilemma, and then it shows the three of them get to the end, and you're like, oh, fuck, they must have chosen... You know, to leave the other two, and then the other two show up, and you're like, "How's that possible?" And then they flash back and yeah. show them punching through the wall. It's some, it's kind of similar, but they don't show the struggle with Tompa's trying to fucking hack off Leorio's head with that axe. So, in the '99 version, uh, the 2011 depiction of the 50 hours comes from this actually, because uh, this one did like them just doing random filler activities in the room. Um, so this is another instance. We've discovered other instances where 2011 actually bases something off the 99 version rather than from the manga. Uh, and this is one of those cases. So uh, things 2011 took from here. Uh, Tonpa fakes chaining himself up to inspire the fight that happens. And Tonpa cracks the ground with an axe, which inspires Gon's idea to break through. And here they do something that doesn't exist in the other two. So in the other, they describe like, oh, yeah, it turns out the easy route was just a slide that takes you down. Here they actually show the slide and it's a fucking Donkey Kong like from the like SNES <laughs> minecart oh. level. <laughs> yep. And uh, so that's what happened. Hmm. That's what happened. You guys got any thoughts about this episode generally? I like, didn't like this episode that much. I thought the ending was kind of cool. Like gone's problem solving mm-hmm. but otherwise i found it like way extended i don't know why like i just i thought it was kind of boring to be honest you mean the yeah. filler they put in the 2011 version yeah like it the, felt like, like the we were in, in the there room. for 50 hours yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that actually like, really sucked. like this is kind of yeah it's kind of like if i because you watch these when we watch these we binge them essentially like we can watch episode 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 but i could be i would be Ella disappointed if I had to watch this week by week and being like that's all I got like I got some characters names and, and you got sitting in a fetishes. room and like yeah and like <laughs> messing around with each other like excuse me you could have done this yeah. in five minutes I think this type of filler episode where you know it's more like low key and it's more supposed to be like character bonding it feels like it's almost too early in the series to have this type of episode yeah a little at least like I get it like I don't know. I feel like they could have just done the whole um, showing how much time has passed, like, mm-hmm. and lit- like you know, maybe just like a have it be like a five minute segment versus right. like a ten minute segment of them like just 
hanging out and chilling. Right. That's basically. what they do in 99. Yeah. Like, so in 99, they show Gon and Kila. You know those, uh, like, those uh, bird things that, like, peck at water and, like, repeatedly move? Mm-hmm. Those bird statues? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just, um, like, it doesn't do much. It's just kind of, like... Yeah, it's using evaporative cooling in order to generate movement. Um, so Gon and Kilo are watching that for some of that, like, you know, really quick montage of shit that happened in the room. And then it shows, like, none of the, no one's saying anything because it just blanks out the noise and just, like, plays music. And it shows Kurapika coming over and clearly he's explaining how it works. And Gon and Kilo look bored out of their fucking mind and walk away. <laughs> Me. Like, I earnestly think 99 did this scene a lot better. Just like, yeah. oh, yeah, cool, dude. Bye. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like there hasn't been enough big, either big battles or super heavy tensions that a breather episode is really needed. Yeah, even though Uh, it's tied to the plot. Yeah, yeah. I I know a lot of fans of 2011 who actually really like this in retrospect because Mm -hmm. so much of the fandom for 2011 is like, Gon and Kilua are the best, most pure boys to ever live. (laughs) Meanwhile, the fandom for 99 (laughs) is like, Gon and Kilua are hardened killers, and it's very different. (laughs) I'm in the precious boys. Precious boys. (laughs) Please protect. Please protect. Oh, God. That just says so much about the current state of fandom. Pure, either you're pure, you're pure boys, soft girls, whatever, or you're like, the worst ever. Hashtag canceled. Hashtag Baka. I... I, I, yeah, no, like, I, I think I've talked about this before, but 99, you're clearly supposed to be like, I'm going in Kilua's age and we're cool as fuck. And then, like, 2011's like, I'm 30 years old and these boys are adorable. <laughs> it's kind of like that, that whole uh, Simpsons, uh, thing where it's like, it, when you're younger, you, 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 I guess, feel you're more like Bart while if you're older you're more like Homer in a way. So in the Hunter version in the 99 you felt like Pillowa and Gone but in the 2011 you're now Hisoka. Is that what we're doing? Oh dear lord stop. I don't know if I would ever want to become Hisoka. I I think something has very much happened in my life to the point where I'm like that like That's like Daddy Juggalo. Like uh (laughs) I wonder if he drinks Fago. Is that canon? (laughs) Uh, he does talk about certain sugary things he likes, but that will be later. I got like ice cream and cherry pies. <laughs> no, but that'd be great. <laughs> um, real quick, uh, so there during the part where they show the montage of the shit they had to like get through to get to the ending, there's one there's one thing that I'm not sure whether it's a Dragon Ball reference or a fucking Dragon Quest reference where oh, they're is running this, away. Is this your ball craving thing that you wrote? Yeah, they're running away from like a giant stone ball, which is also an Indiana Jones thing, but them going around a maze and avoiding it clearly happened in original Dragon Ball and also happened in Dragon Quest V both of which are related to Akira Toriyama. So it could be either. And both of those were massively influential on uh, Japanese video games and manga, like both of which Togashi really likes. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was a reference to any three of those things. And, and, the, and the ball chasing, that's like the Pilaf uh, thing, right? It's the Pilaf castle, yeah, castle, exactly. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, so I'm going to really quickly go through uh, three episodes of 99 as fast as I can. Basically, this is extractable to be like basically a mini-movie, but I earnestly think this is some of the best filler I've ever seen in any show. So if you guys ever get a chance and want to see extra-canonical Hunter Hunter material, this is probably about as good as the non-canonical Hunter Hunter 2011 movie, which I have not seen, mm-hmm. but I've heard is like okay. I try to get you guys to watch it, but everyone's like, nah, we ain't doing that, fam. 
I didn't want to watch it until you guys had seen more simply because like I feel it's super spoilery because I read the synopsis and I'm like, uh, yeah, let's not. I gotcha. Um, so the examinees are taken to an, this is after Trick Tower. The examinees are taken to an island hotel where they have to dive into shipwrecks for treasure in order to like afford their stay at the island hotel. <laughs> what? Hijinks ensue when people, uh, with people trying to negotiate for better roommates because they get paired randomly and people like are with people they do not like. Uh, it's hi- it highlights people's canonical skills, their canonical personalities, and the bonds and like dissimilarities they have with different characters in a really interesting way. Um, like for instance, like Tonpa keeps on getting like paired up with like random people he really doesn't like and tries to switch and just gets worse and worse people. Like he's like, oh man, I don't know why that guy wanted to trade with me so bad, but I guess I'll go into this room. And then it's like a dude charming snakes. And he's like, oh fuck, I need a different room. And he ends up like in Gita Rocker's room and he's like, oh fuck. And then he like trades again and ends up in Hisoka's room and he's like, ah. Oh. oh man, it's, it's like, oh, I got to deal with this juggalo all night. He's just playing, uh playing icp all day no hisoka's just like making towers of cards and like tonpa's like i guess i can't sleep tonight or i might end up murdered uh so in the night they wake up to find the innkeepers flying away on an airship and stranding them there so at a loss for a goal the examinees find a map and tools to get to zevil island which is the place where the next phase takes place canonically but they're like trying to figure out what to do because they weren't given like a clear goal some people is that inspired by the real devil's island in france uh, I actually don't know anything about Devil's Island, but I'd be curious for basically it's some Alcatraz, explanation of that. Basically, it's Alcatraz, except with more torture and more, uh, more cruelty. Uh, I don't, it may be based on name, but, like, the stuff that happens there is different, and you'll see that in the next gotcha. set of episodes. But, uh, some people sail off from there, and those who stay choose Hanzo and Kurapika as their leaders, because they, like, decide that they need some direction. So they basically learn of a this says daily but I meant to write like every 10 years storm that like submerges the island and like so basically the innkeepers left to leave them to deal with like a like every 10 year storm that is tremendously strong and goes to the top of the tallest building there and they have to make an escape plan and so they decide to try to unbeach a battleship that has crash landed there and uh the storm comes and a waterspout pulls in the people who are trying to escape like, who got in sailboats and shit. And Kurapika stops Gon from saving them. But that seeing that Goretta, who's on a motorboat, is, like, being pulled in, too. Gon jumps into the water and saves Goretta, only to be saved by Hanzo, Goz, Bodoro, and then the rest of the crew pulling them in. So it's, like, a team effort. Because, basically, this episode is trying to highlight, like, hey, with an unclear goal in mind, we can't be eliminating each other. And we have to try to figure out how to use each other's skills in a constructive way to survive whatever the fuck is going on. What's going to work? Interesting, teamwork. Yeah, what's interesting is Gon saving Goretta here actually makes something that happens in the manga in the 2011 version that doesn't make any sense that happens later make a lot of sense. So we'll get to I that see. next week. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense without this, like, filler scene. So it's very mm-hmm. weird, like, how good this filler is that it, like, makes sense of things that otherwise don't make sense. Uh, so Leorio is saved by Gon, who is saved by Hisoka, and then both weren't blown up by, like, they have to fire the cannons on the battleship in order to free it from the island. Um, and Kilo had delayed the shot in order to let them get out. So it's this huge team effort thing, like, very vastly networked, and everyone just, like, playing their part. It's really good. Kurapika is knocked out because of the the steering and the battleship firing the cannons. And so... Basically, the ship is about to crash, but then a, like, hidden figure with long black hair shows up and saves, like, saves the ship. And then, like, Hisoka acknowledges them and is like, oh, took you a while. They never tell you who this is, but it actually is really good foreshadowing for some later shit. Is it Daddy? Oh, that's actually interesting. Mm. 
Yeah, it's I'm pretty really sure well a done. long, black, thin-haired yeah, person. Yeah, long, black, thin hair, very Man. tall person. Ooh, okay, okay. That kind of sounds like a Gon's dad. Uh, no, hmm, Gon's dad doesn't have long hair. Speculation. <laughs> uh, so they separate the ship in time, and an airship comes to pick them up with Lippo inside, the same dude from Trick Tower. So I, I wrote like a really quick thing of what makes this great. It shows the characters as they are and as they would act. Like it's not inventing shit. It's really mm-hmm. good. It tests their large scale coordination and teamwork, hints at later developments, and explains a plot hole slash underdeveloped motive that happens later. And it actually may have influenced the manga, which is fucking crazy. Whoa. Like spoilers, but they make two characters into a couple who are not a couple until years later in the manga. Wait, mm-hmm. are they a couple? Well, they're like, it's... It's basically like, oh, they're besties, but, like, you're clearly supposed to be shipping them. Oh, that makes so much oh. more sense. Now. And this only became, like, a canon ship in the manga years later and gets expanded like that, in 2011. Is that, like, the, the Sailor Moon uh, cousins thing? <laughs> no. No. Gotcha, but yeah. that's good. No, so I, I earnestly think this is a good section of filler, and you guys and everyone listening should check it out if you get a chance. Uh, Shout-outs to, uh, what is her name, uh, one of the f- fans of our show who said, like, hey, there's actually some good filler stuff, and at the time I was like, oh, okay, sure. And then I watched this, and I'm like, oh, fuck, she was right. I'm so sorry. If you're listening to this, this is my apology. Thank you very much. Yeah. Ooh, that's pretty cool. I, I never, I'll definitely, I think that, from what you're saying and from watching we can even probably go back and watch it together as a group um yeah once all the stuff has been revealed for sure if we yeah because otherwise it is gonna spoil some shit yeah um okay so for today's research topic we're grabbing a quick history lesson a snapshot in life of life in both 1999 and 2011 um so japan in 1999 I'm kind of going to jump back and forth, but that's, you know, the year Hunter was released. Um, Nippon Animation did it, and Fuji TV was the channel it was broadcasted on originally. Um, so some other TV shows debuting in uh, 1999, if you want to get ready for some nostalgia. But mm-hmm. um, Initial D, Digimon, Kitty's Paradise, which was like a Hello Kitty TV series. I think that um, might have been the second stage of Initial D. Yeah, I think maybe. Mm-hmm. You I would know so. that. Yeah, hey, um, I'm, I'm sorry. So, fun fact, One Piece started in 1999, so we all know how long that's been going on. Yeah. Um, A second series of Orphan. Um, So, uh, English translation is Sorceress Stabber Orphan. (laughs) Stabber? Stabber? Stabber Orphan. (laughs) I don't know. I, I pick stuff I didn't know about just because... I figure maybe someone will like remember these and like chime in. Uh, I'm really Power, wondering about the next one because if Power it's what Stone, I think it is. It's a I think based it, off a yeah. video game. Oh my yeah, god, there was an yeah. anime of Power Stone. Yeah, yeah I have I a DVD so. of it, Joe. But How yeah, have I never seen this. I love that game. <laughs> it's actually dubbed in English too. Holy shit, yo, Power Stone, how has that never come back? That's like the best game that's never gotten a third game. Yeah, and actually speaking on that, that's actually the year the Dreamcast came out in America, but the Dreamcast I think that's when Power Stone won the game came out as well. For the Dreamcast, which is also a big thing that came out in Japan at the time. Yo, if anyone who's listening has the ability to play Power Stone, fucking play that game. It rules. I might have the power to do that. I don't know. Maybe. It's, yeah, I, no, you I, definitely I, do. I, I think I, I like... I, I kind of like... Uh... Where the hell's my standy at? Okay, have any of the others played Power Stone? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> is a four-player, like... <laughs> fighting game beat-em-up like you basically play like a third third person beat-em-up all together and just beat the shit out of each other so imagine smash brothers but more with a traditional beat-em-up perspective i it love fucking it rules. <laughs> it looks yeah. like so much fun 
I just want to say real quick, I actually have a standee I was showing people of the Power Stone game that's oh. in, in my office. I'll send a picture in the chat. That's I'll badass. Post it, I'll post it, of course, on the, the group because I like flexing my Dreamcast collection because I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm kind of a gamer trash. Nice. But I, I put in the general chat if you guys want to see it, but the, the marquee is like sitting right over me. I can't believe I forgot about that. Nice. So after Power Stone, the next um, thing I have listed is the Great Teacher Onizuka, which is GTO. Um, yeah. I love that yeah. anime. They have I it on Amazon Prime. This. Everyone I know likes yeah. it. They have Amazon Prime, but I think they only have the English dub of Amazon Prime. That's when the really English dub is top notch. <laughs> it is pretty solid. Oh, really? okay. It is so um, bad. It is good. Yep. Yep. It's, it's like, 90s anime, but oh it was like niche anime too. Like it wasn't like, necessarily so problematic. It's oh like, yeah, it's so, one of the so, so so problematic, but it is so much like um. It is just it's it's it, Hot Mess Express. And it's so, f- it's just like trashy TV. It's like trashy TV. That's yeah. what I like. Um, Is it more or less trashy than Golden Boy? Oh, um, I would say it's like kind of like the same like, level of trashiness with um, a bit more substance. Yeah, I feel like it has a more emotional core. Substance okay. trash. Like, oh, it's it, kind of like if you put Yu Yu Hakusho, but just the <laughs> slice of life portions, and then take that one part where Leorio wants to grope a girl, um, and you put those two together. And that's the whole <laughs> anime. A comedy. If, if, imagine if everyone, if all those were 23-year-old some unemployed something, Men. and he managed to finagle his way into like a private teacher position at a school. Like yeah. He's also like a gangster, did. I think, right? Yeah, he's like a gangster. Yeah, like a Yankee type. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice. very, it's actually done by the reason I wrote that specifically. I love that show, but it also was done by Studio Perot. Oh, that was Perot. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. This is what they were doing instead of making Hunter Hunter. Yep. So right after <laughs> this is probably so this premiered in 1999. So theoretically, and I don't have facts here, and I'm sure they work on more than one project at a time. But like it went from Yu Yu Hakusho to Great Teacher Onizuka. They were doing um, this and uh, Nin- Ninku at the same time. Probably not sure. <laughs> Um, but if you look at Great Teacher Onizuka's art, you can definitely see the very similarities to um, Yu Yu Hakusho. I'm excited to do yeah. so at some point. That's kind of like a stylistic thing. Um, um, but it was also run by Fuji TV, the same people who um, broadcasted mm-hmm. Hunter Hunter. Um, the Big O, which was actually on Adult Swim at one point, but that was that started Ooh, in 1999 as well. Yeah, yeah that was such I need a cool to. One. I've tried to rewatch it. I need to do so now because, like back in the day, I tried getting a torrent, but it was like missynchronized, so it was really fucked up. But now mm-hmm. I bet I could find a good thing I had, of it. Like, I had a big crush on that made back in the day. Do you oh. like Blade Runner? Yeah, yeah, I love Blade Runner. Do you like the character she's based on in Blade Runner? Oh yeah, the 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 main female character, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I need I mean, to rewatch it because I really like noir. I like mechs. And it's clearly supposed to be like, hey, man, what if Bruce Wayne had a giant mech instead of was Batman? And 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 and, uh, and uh, Alfred was super hot. Oh, yeah. And Alfred's a complete badass. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, that show was prime 2000s for us 2000s television mm-hmm. yes um but it's one of those shows that i didn't remember i knew until i saw a picture of it so i feel like that's like the theme with a lot of these yeah. um and the next show i have listed is corrector yui um so that i just i put that on there because i found that a lot of the 90s animes when i looked in their description had to do with like the internet 
like Digimon mm. had to do with the internet, you know, because it was it was the new and upcoming thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically Corrector Yui because it is the the plot is it is the year 2020 and computers have become an integral part of daily life for most people. And then it's a magical girl anime about. Oh my god! That Let's kind of watch stuff. it because it's this year. Yeah, I'd be down. So it's, it takes place current year. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's like, I mean, a lot of the female shows at the time, um, that were playing, um, ongoing were things like Cowboy Bebop, oh, Cowboy Bebop and Trigun premiered the year before. Never heard of those ones. Heard they (laughs) probably sound pretty bad. Yeah. Trash anime. Um, ongoing shows at the time. Uh, this is an anime about Sasuke, 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 um, which is actually Ninja Warrior in English. So oh, like, that, oh, that's the TV show. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, the cool. TV yeah. show. So it had been going yearly um, for, I think, since 95, 94-ish, mm-hmm. I think. Um, Pokemon and Cardcaptor Sakura. Oh. Cap- Corrector Yui seems like a very, uh, just a slightly different version of Cardcaptor Sakura. It was a magical It's, it's girl. future Cardcaptor Sakura. Yeah. It, like, I mean, if you look at a picture of her, she has a wand and a, a pet friend and a pink outfit. Oh my and God. it's basically <laughs> the same person. So I'm going to ask my girlfriend about it because I, she's, I feel like she would know whether or not this is good or not. This actually yeah. looks super cute. <laughs> I, I'm going to watch it because I love kawaii anime because I'm weeaboo trash. There's a lot nice. of 90s magical girl stuff, like in the pure magical girl form, um, uh, which is why I'm going to talk about in 2011, things got things shifted um, a little bit, a little a bit, little bit a little. Um, so compared to 1999, the sheer amount of anime released in 2011 was a lot higher. Fall 1999, according to I think my list anime, because they, they list all the animes that were premiering at the time. So fall 1999 had approximately 97 shows OVAs and movies either premiering or still airing um, in that season, while fall 2011 had about 213 shows. Wow. Jesus Christ. Where do they yeah. air all this shit? Is there like 12 well, channels dedicated I, to anime? Internet, so, dude. The internet, and then I think more programs have dedicated slots for more anime. So hmm. before, I think... I wasn't around in 1999 in Japan, and there's not really much information, but I'd assume, you know, you'd have, like, one or two shows, and then they'd move on to another segment of not anime stuff, and then continue on, whereas now I think they have dedicated blocks of where we can, like, watch anime. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, on TV, um, also the It's more accessible, yeah. Yeah. Uh So, I mean, just double, and that's just in one season, like, or that's just one, like, calendar year season i also wouldn't be surprised if with the amount of foreign capital that was coming in like Mm -hmm. shows that like would not have made it previously yeah suddenly were able to get by on like foreign investment until they like made it big domestically like if you look at big o like -hmm. that show from like the last segment 1999 Mm -hmm. um big o failed in japan like miserably and only got later seasons because of the american audience yeah you know it's kind of weird i'm sorry Oh, sorry. Real quick. A lot of shows in – I'll bring up a show that I love and I know is very popular here in the States. No one knows about it in Japan. Like it's obscure or like mm-hmm. forget forgettable, right? Yeah. Were you saying I, that? I was saying a big, a big example of that is there actually – four kids actually – you know, there's certain shows like Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Duel, Dungeon Duel Dice and mm-hmm. uh, the third season of Sonic X that actually was commissioned for American audiences and Japan didn't actually get until later. Which I think is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So a lot of uh, some shows are that popular. I mean, even uh, I think Fully Cooley is in the same boat, right? That oh, he yeah. got it because oh, of yeah. the American audience. That was so. ten years later. I think this was. I think that was two thousand one to 
Yeah. Something like that. Or 1995 was the original broadcast date. I can't remember. I mean, naming years. I think but... it was early 2000s. But anyways, just the, it's just that idea is really crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of it is like the people in the States who were bringing over anime in the States are kind of outsider hipster type figures, while the people who are producing a lot of anime in Japan are just like, hey, just cultural producers generally. Mm-hmm. And so like the stuff that comes over tends to be a lot more like hipster in the Japanese context. It is yeah. kind of interesting, those different tastes in anime across country lines. It's like mm-hmm. where one anime just sucks, but you know, or it, maybe it didn't get exposure, but in the U.S. something happened where it got more exposure. Yeah. Like, no, I'm, I'm not going to say like Dragon Ball, but maybe like the big O where it's like Japan, oh, one off, one weird anime, that's fine. And then America's like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah the reverse could happen too. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has been hyper influential in Japan since it started coming out. And in the US, didn't really get a big deal until 2012. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Even even later, I think it didn't really take off in America until like uh, part three came out in 14. Yeah, I don't have a, a graph on that, but at least 2012. What about a giraffe on that? <laughs> nice. Anyways, Anyways. <laughs> um, in many of the 20, like many of the 2011 shows that I'm about to list seemed catered more to a mature audience and targeted more specific demographics. So where 1999 was a general sense of like, okay, here's my young men young boy animes we got we got our we got our hunter hunter our initial like our hunter hunter or one piece like that kind of stuff and then for the older folk we got the great teacher onizuka and initial d and then for the girls we have magical girl and hello kitty and like that's it you know what i mean like this variety wasn't really there but with um 2011 anime um there's a bigger shift toward mature and niche audiences um so wait, when you say mature here, you mean like actually older as opposed to people looking for blood and guts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like adult, like yeah, like any adult could enjoy versus mm-hmm. like actual like M for mature. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, um. So although it was still dominated by shonen, twenty eleven saw a, a more like like a bigger push for romance and slice of life and anime dramas geared toward young adults, specifically young women. Um, or girls, or you know what I mean? Like, there, there's the more ladies. content. Yeah, the ladies. There's more content, like slice mm-hmm. of life content. There's, there's less very stereotypical. Like, um, the storylines have been developed a little bit more. I think um, a little bit deeper, a little more complex than the average mm-hmm. anime back in 1999. So, what uh, animes, I'm not saying that they aren't deep in 99, but what animes? Uh, what animes would those be? Um, so we have so some things that came out in 2011: Level E, Anohana, um, Kon Fate slash Zero. Wait, re- tra- real quick about Level E. Yeah. Also by Togashi. Yeah. And actually, mm-hmm. the manga is older than Hunter Hunter, but it took a while to make an anime because it's way less popular than Yu Hakusho or Hunter Hunter. Yeah, and I just thought it was interesting. It sh- they, he they had both the works premiere at the same. Year, yeah, it is. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, different seasons, but I think, but different years. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Anohana, which was a slice of life about a dead girl. We had K-On, about four girls forming a music group. Fate I need Zero, to watch which K-On. I, I heard that's really that's good. About. You need to watch Anohana. Anohana's no, great. No, I'm going to do K-On. No, that Anohana is like the best show. Oh, okay. So it's short too. It's like 20, 24 episodes and that's okay, it. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. Um, Chahaya Furu is about... 
a, a poem card game, slice of life, drama, romance, comedy. It's a mm. lot more, yeah, you know, it's, I love that It's show. very widely considered a good show. It's a very, very good show. Art, direction, like you feel for the characters. They make a poem card game exciting somehow, so. Yeah, it's like a traditional that. poem card game. Yeah. So it's like people are reciting like medieval poetry and mm-hmm. playing cards. Yeah. Um, Mariah Nikki, which is Future Diaries. Um, never seen that Return show. I heard of the it was Yandere. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, that's like when Yandere's were. I th- I blame that show for like the rise of Yandere to become mainstream. I feel like it's always existed, but mm-hmm. Mariah Nikki was like the tipping point to where it was like stab me queen, stab me queen. Wow. Wait, wow. wait. Question: Is it like how Lola Bunny is to furries, Mirai Nikki is to like Yandere? <laughs> Well, I feel like the honor has always existed, but maybe it's just, I feel like that was, every time I see it, it's just see, it, like that pink hair girl just becomes like the, I guess in a way, but has become like the, ma- like the mascot for yandere girls. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm imagining Lola Bunny as a, a yandere now. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought Higarashi, I think that's what it's called. The one where, like, the boy goes to the countryside. And oh, then... yeah. I, feel I like... thought that was a good example of that, too. I, I don't know if that's, that's like, was as popular. also a good starting. The green, one of the green-haired twins, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I think if Mariah Nikki was, the, since it was soon, it was more recent and also mm-hmm. kind of, like, arguably a better art style it was like a higher mm. quality animation and right. more people consumed it that Mariah Nikki was kind of at least from what I can see was now kind of like the pivotal yandere girl anime that's fair would you recommend it I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if it's good. I just saw it. I think her character kind of turned me off from it. I was like, oh, I have a, I just, I just don't really like that. Yeah, that I just don't really like, I love to kill and I love you. Like, it just really annoys time, me. That's Toxic relationship literally psychotic. Yeah. So you probably wouldn't enjoy the character from My Hero then. What's her oh, name? Toga. Oh. Toga. Damn, I hate her. Well, she's I'm a villain, glad. so. I'm glad because everyone loves her. It's because it's because they they just want yeah. like to be the they just want the, the crazy girlfriend thing. I guess yeah. I don't know. I I, I that's going to be a no for me, dog. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No thanks, man. Um, <laughs> on the opposite spectrum of a murderous yandere lady, mm-hmm. um, we had Usagi Drop, which is about a father or not a father, a adult man taking care of his like I think it's his niece. Five-year-old no, it's niece. a little girl. Little girl. I have a lot of issues with it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so apparently, if you watch the anime, just watch the anime, never read the manga. Never the first the half manga. is... First half is adorable. It's just him I'm really like, learning. Where the yeah, going. here, here it is. He's like in his twenties, raising a five year old. And the first half is a very cute story about how he's learning into fatherhood and taking care of a girl, and you know that that really sweet like dad daughter type of thing, right? Very pure. Um, the mm. ma- manga goes off the rails, <laughs> and she becomes sixteen and now is in love with the dad character. No. <laughs> this is Woody Allen the anime. Oh my god. Yeah. Woody Allen the anime. Yep, 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 yep. No. So Woody Allen made it. A lot of people who watch the anime um, Check were in like, on the manga. I love this. Let's go check out the manga. <laughs> Fuck that shit. At least in the American audiences. I don't know how the Japanese um, audiences reacted. Um, but there's probably a reason that they just ended the anime at 
where like she goes to kindergarten, we're done. Happy ending. Oh, congratulations. Thank God. Please, yeah. Because yeah. I like that. I love um, the, the sweet dad thing, but that it's like, oh, fuck no. Yeah, so uh, it, it switches genres in a very strange way. DDLG, um, the anime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I think Usagi Drop is considered seinen, like for adult men, too. Um, it shouldn't be. It really yeah, shouldn't. It really shouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. On a lighter note, we had Mawaru Mau, Mau, Penguin Drum. Um, that that is familiar. Crazy ass anime. 10 out of 10 would watch. Or okay. should, you should watch. It's crazy. It's like. Um, yeah. Oh, oh no. Continue. What, what is it like? Um, it is kind of like a mixture of like high fantasy shoujo, like revolutionary girl Utena, mixed Ooh, with sweet. like complications of relationships that would be like, for example, in um, Fruit Basket. Mm-hmm. And oh. it is like super fantastical, super crazy, convoluted, but insanely pretty and just a wild ride problematic just like any kind of complicated shoujo anime out there mm-hmm. so yeah it's definitely something sarah and i watched when um back in 2011 and mm-hmm. we really enjoyed it so hmm. i'll have to check it out yeah. I actually, it's very I, pretty from the pictures i still gotta watch a uh, revolutionary utena though mm-hmm. i keep reading i gotta it. watch it too it's good the game's pretty fun joe if you ever come over we'll play it on the saturn what type of game is it, too. real quick? Uh, dating mm-hmm. Sim. Oh, Dating Sim? <laughs> I think I want to watch it first, then. Um, but otherwise, we had one piece that was still on the air, um, obviously, because it's still on the air. It'll be on <laughs> the air until... I'm, I'm going to be buried in the ground, and it'll still be on the air. <laughs> God, that show is long, but that is insane. We had a full 1999 series of Hunter x Hunter go through the manga kind of didn't you know catch up as fast so it ended um and then we waited what 11 years to have a fully new series hunter from that point on had completely finished and the whole time one piece is still running we probably need a third hunter hunter series that does it all over again yep maybe or continue was on from the 2011 um maybe we also had madoka magica and um, I can't say the full name because I just can't pronounce things, but mm-hmm. I know Madoka Magica, the reason I listed this, and Cardcaptor Sakura slash something y- corrector Yui is because mm-hmm. Madoka Magica felt like, not a spoof, but like kind of a, a play on the traditional... Um, it's a deconstruction. Deconstruction, there you go, of um, the original kind of magical girl tropes. Um, mm-hmm. Then we The also crazy had- thing is they actually had the vinyl soundtrack that come out recently, too. Ooh, Very expensive. Really? It's like a hundred and something dollars. Wow. Ooh, interesting. It's um, it's interesting, like seeing it uh, sort of take place fifteen years after the seeds of the genre were planted. Because if you look at Evangelion, Evangelion's a deconstruction of the mech anime, mm-hmm. and it's also fifteen years after original Gundam. Yeah. Mm. Well, approximately fifteen yeah. years. It's more yeah, like sixteen. T- yeah, ten to fifteen. Yeah, like it. It's interesting that we get to you know like you're almost tired of that genre i'm sure like in 10 years from now we're going to see a lot of deconstructions of isekais even though they're kind of already coming out um yeah but I, like I, well they have that new parody one it's like with like three different ones like fate with uh what's the one with the, the the blue and pink hair twin maid ladies re-zero yeah they have one they have like the re-zero and a couple other ones mm-hmm. i do want to watch that one it's like i would love my mom and her lock multi attack lock-on thing. What? <laughs> what? It, Multi-target lock-on attack? Yeah. 
<laughs> I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Uh, basically, it's just it's just like this this um it's basically this anime about this mom that uh, that wants to bond with her son, so they go into this virtual world thing that's just that like a game thing that's supposed to bond with children or something. Uh, it's... Okay, so I now have a theory that uh, who the fuck directed uh, Inception? Oh, uh, um, no, Christopher Nolan? Nolan. Christopher Nolan. Yeah. yeah, Christopher Nolan. He must be from the future because it turns out he made the Isekai deconstruction already. <laughs> we have Christ. to go deeper. <laughs> I, I do really want to watch Inception again. That really fucking good. It's on Netflix. Oof. Good well, movie. I know what I'm doing today. Okay. Inception. Um, and then we just to round it out, I, I listed Beezlebub and Tiger and Bunny. But like from the list of animes from 2011, what note like differences and things do you guys notice that are like? I mean, like um, we have a nostalgic connection to 1999, I, but we obviously I, I know think, a lot more about I, 2011. I think, like you pointed out, I think it's very more. It's a lot more. Op- it's a lot more accessible, and it's a lot more, I guess, accepted in terms of the United States view. Like, I mean, back then, mm-hmm. if you watched anime, you were a nerd. But nowadays, I mean, I know people that are like, you know, would never watch it. They're watching, like, oh, yeah, no, Attack on Titans, good shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think compared to 2011, 1999, it, I think when you point out there's like kind of like a, re- a resurgence of genres. Um, either they're taking genres that were kind of seen as like kitty in or like for kids, like Magic Girl and deconstructing it to be more mature um or with the slice of life stuff it's like taking stuff that probably was seen as why bother animating it mm-hmm. it just seems like a normal story but mm-hmm. now they're applying a different medium which makes it a little bit more has like a different feel mm-hmm. like for a lot of people who like cartoons like it feels a little bit more special compared if it was done like as a live action series mm-hmm. yeah yeah i never thought about it that way but yeah i think what also is interesting is sort of the we seem to be more going towards japanese style of of animation, like mm-hmm. sort of the more popular things that come out and it's really big here versus before where everything was a, you know, hidden gem sort of thing or mm-hmm. a obscurest anime style. You know, it's more, I guess it's more mainstreamed and streamlined, at least in the United States versus how it used to be in 99. Right. Do you think, Hannah, as an artist, do you think there's anything in terms of 1999 versus 2011 that either patterns in animation or well, like design uh, character designs that may have emerged well i know back in 1999 for example and i think this is like something that you see in a lot of art books and stuff like that where the style was more like it was a mix of detail and sharp lines and like you could see with the crazy hair and everything mm-hmm. where like um for example, ninety nine anime with like crazy hair. I'm trying to think. Um, like maybe in the nineties in general. Like if you think like um, pretty much everything. Uh, like Digimon had like Digimon the, the spikes, had the like, spikes, like yeah. emphasis on like huge spiky hair, sharp lines, like super saturated colors. You know, and mm-hmm. then once you go to 2011, um you see a transition into, like, this is where the peak of digital art was. So, um, for example, like, Anohana, K-On, like, those are, like, that one studio, like, that one animation studio, they really utilize, like, the softer palettes, thinner lines, kind of more going, a lot of these animes, 
Is that Studio oh. Kyoto, right? The one that burnt down recently? Yeah. Rest mm-hmm. in peace, all the people mm. who unfortunately passed away and everything. But they kind of utilize this softer style, kind of like taking that moe style and polishing it up tremendously in like mm-hmm. in a more palatable way mm-hmm. um and then kind of like it's a time where because of like the age of like digital art you could kind of really increase the frame rate at a cheaper level and so you had a lot more fluid animation incorporating like dance routines like Kaon and i think ano and ohana had like some dance routines and like mm-hmm. Um, so lots of Mar- idol anime starting to come out at this time too. Yeah, Mariah, Nikki, like um, Mawaru, Penguin Drum, they all utilize really experimental like animation. Like really went same with Madoka. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's a renaissance of turns of animation. And then I think it, afterwards it kind of goes down because then a certain style gets overused and like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you're tired cuts. of it almost. Yeah, yeah. like the K like um, the K on style gets utilized in every single thing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like how the there's a lot of variety at least in terms of like U.S. animation because I know a lot of U.S. animation uses that uh, that Cal Art style sort of oh, thing. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty thing. It's still utilized a lot now, but and at at least 2011 for Japan right now, it's like such a variety. Like Tiger and Bunny looks so different from Bezlebub, which looks so mm-hmm. different from Madoka, which looks so different from this. Which looks so drastically different from. Um... Was it the uh, what are the two girls the anime the the joke anime that was the comic? Oh, oh. A penny and penny and stockings. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Penny and stockings. He the means other... the one that like people are. It's the like the really one? like out there weird anime. Oh, oh like a... <laughs> pee 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 Yeah. Oh yeah. That one. Yeah. yeah what the yeah. fuck is it called? Um, it's on Netflix. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, um, but that's okay. Um, uh. Separate from art style, I I I don't know. I I have like weird feelings about. Anime Pop currently? Team Epic. Pop Team Epic. Mm-hmm. Pop Team Epic, yeah. I feel like, so this is something that I need to look into and see if like there's any like data validation for what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of series depic- like directed at young men now are very much referential to old stuff. And it's like a self-feeding thing, like pop culture mm-hmm. commenting on pop culture. Yeah. And there's very little tying to the real world in the way that older anime used to try to do. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, okay. stuff directed at young girls and women actually is basing itself in the real world like with the rise of uh things like uh you know slice of life stuff and like uh like look at chihaya furu that's Mm -hmm. a real thing and like you have stuff like that are are traditionally shown in genres that are now appealing more and more to women like sports Mm -hmm. anime such as like i'm pretty sure a lot of the fans of haiku and especially of yuri on ice are women um i feel there's like often a critique in japanese society that like um like gender roles and like the way they've traditionally sort of hamstrung people has made it harder and harder for men to relate to changing society. And like, I wonder 
if that's reflected in the types of stuff that's like made by them and for them. Mm-hmm. And if you look at like older stuff from the 90s and previous, like Japanese anime, even for kids, often engage with world politics. Like if you look at Gundam, straight mm-hmm. up a lot of it is like this incredibly anti-war message talking about Japan's involvement in previous colonial empire and commenting on it through the guise of like talking about this like sci-fi empire. Mm-hmm. And you see that less and less over time with more anime reflecting just as meta commentaries on previous anime that in their own ways are either referential to or meta commentaries on previous anime and i'm wondering if this disengagement with like world events and world politics is like a thing i'm just imagining or because i've seen many narratives from the outside and also from japan talking about this like the growing age of like the japanese population and like the lack of willingness to engage with like global politics except at the most nationalistic level and it's it's kind of makes me wonder what the future and sustainability for like Japanese cultural production is uh, in a future where there's less and less youths. I don't know. I mean, it kind of runs into the question like youth culture in Japan. It's like how open are they are to either because Japan obviously recognizes like, Hey, (laughs) people aren't having families as much as they used to the past for like various reasons. Thus there's this always back and forth. Should we allow more people to immigrate or not allow people to immigrate as easily? Are you open to having more open borders? I mean, Japan literally was so arguably isolationist in terms of its pop culture. It's like putting copy, rights on everything and just recently they just had this mass opening of like releasing the copyrights on uh tons of i don't know if it's a specific label but suddenly you can find artists available on spotify and music videos on youtube that you never could before did you see a news story about it or did you just start noticing things were on there now i noticed something and i also saw an article that i didn't read yet because i saw like the reasons why anime openings are now on spotify (laughs) i don't have time to read this but i too noticed this yeah that's kind of weird i didn't notice this as well like i was on my on my sister's phone when we were driving mm-hmm. she'll put on some music I was like haha I'm gonna look up this and it's like wait they have all these My Hero Academia opening wait they have the Eva opening wait wow. they got Sailor Moon opening so they used to only have covers and now the real mm-hmm. ones are on there so probably those covers which like were getting fat off of the ability to just like monopolize people wanting to listen to that stuff are not gonna be listened to anymore yeah. right yeah it's... I think the Jojo ones though unfortunately are not on there as well though like, it's what's, locked. what's weird is they used to be so I don't know how that happened so I don't know if it's something where Japan suddenly wants, recognizes either, like maybe there's an advantage to having more of our pop culture more available. They started with anime, like having partnerships with Netflix to have like Netflix exclusive animes open. So it's like a way to like either gain more traction in the Western market in a way that they never considered before. I just think so it's crazy we... this reality we live in though with that mm-hmm. that whole the, the whole everything's getting more popular like the My Hero movie came out and it like got fourth in the box office mm-hmm. yeah. and while you know it doesn't seem big I mean for a Japanese anime it's like like an anime it's like crazy we're getting that many that representation and that the awesome stuff it's like this reality is the one I want to live in now cause yeah it's like, like twelve year old me would be like yes it's a foreign movie it's a foreign cartoon movie and yeah. it manages to make that kind of money in the states like that's pretty awesome well, I th- I think yeah it's like a sh- I- oh sorry 
I think kind of shows, at least with the Western world, and maybe also internationally overall, that anime in particular is still a major export that they can rely on. And the fact that culturally, um, I would say because it's through a Western perspective, it's more normalized. You see it Mm -hmm. more often as influences for Western cartoons to people, celebrities recognizing, acknowledging it from like Ariana Grande with her Miyazaki Ghibli tattoos to Michael um, B. Jordan having the Naruto wrapping Naruto gear with Coach. Coach. Well, even on Black Panther, he has a Vegeta-looking costume. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's interesting because, like, I think Japan's maybe they're now starting to recognize like their soft power is still huge, especially in the entertainment sense. So they want to now open it even more versus like. I think they were going off the slant of our stuff is so good and so exclusive. Of course, you're going to find ways to get it. But now it's the opposite because of especially other Asian countries, like having the opposite where, sorry, where they kind of like, they have their entertainment in their media so accessible that like <laughs> are you looking at korea yeah korea. I, I wonder well, if it's basically them looking at the the you know hallyu a, and then just being like oh fuck we could have done yeah, that i want I mean, more parasites sure. please <laughs> it's for sure you can't deny it like korea's soft power has like the hallyu has made its soft power not just in um in terms of the western sense with k-pop and korean dramas but in like southeast asia in particular where you know you see ads of celebrities everywhere endorsements everywhere and it brings Mm -hmm. income back to south korea and like you know maybe japan wants to have that again because i'm sure maybe back in the 90s that's how it was where japanese celebrities were plastered all over and anime was used as a commercial marketing campaign so hk was like hong kong was full of like japanese products back in the day pop culture mm-hmm. um i just want really quickly uh just say one thing I, we don't have to go deep into it but like the idea of like japan's uh soft power being very strong and like not using it to its fullest extent but i think this has been known for like a long time but basically just like the old guard is probably starting to retire and die off and people are mm-hmm. willing to do it now because if you look at video games from the 90s you see tons of stories repeatedly of this like this culture that was powerful was defeated by an outside empire and is reduced to making cultural trinkets for other people and this mm-hmm. is seen all over jrpgs in the 90s and it's clearly a metaphor for japan oh, wow. like yeah, if you look at Final Fantasy VII, you basically go to a country that your country defeated in war and just, like, basically hang out there as tourists, and they're clearly an Asian country. And uh, you also see something similar in the video game Golden Sun, where mm-hmm. you go to this place that was once, like, the center of, like, an empire that was, like, destroyed by itself, and there are no children anymore. It's all, like, old people, very few children anymore. And they live forever because, like, they... Not forever, but they live a very long time. You know, Japan, very high life expectancy. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's no vibrancy to, like, the culture or perceived vibrancy because, like, the things that they're making are just trinkets and, like, they don't have any power of their own. And so I wonder if Japan's basically individual Japanese actors are seeing this thing that has been posited as like a fate for Japan for so long and trying to reverse the tides by employing a strategy used by Korea effectively. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm just excited for this reality we're living in right now when we get all this, yeah. the stuff that we always wanted as kids that never came or like the games, like 
Mm-hmm. I mean, like the games, like I don't think I can name I name a single game that's like was released that's big in Japan that hasn't got some sort of port over here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of Japan, kind of lo- not losing, but having like a really strong presence and then kind of dissipating a little bit. Um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about cell phones. Oh, do we have time? Uh, I'm not or should sure. Should we save this we, for we another time? Kind of, probably should save yeah. it. It's yeah. gone yeah, kind we of long. Real so long. I think this we discussion can... has been good. <laughs> um, I, I actually don't think we even need to cover this phone stuff. But, but yeah. Japan used to be real big on phones. Then they fell behind. Now they're nowhere near the forefront. Yeah. But we can do this when Gon gets his cell phone. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll mention this again another time. Um, it's been a long... We had some pretty productive discussions about... Yeah. Anime and stuff anyway. I'm just imagining a Japanese sociologist is going to be like, Joe is full Gosh. of shit. That is not at all what's happening. <laughs> this whole crew, what the fuck? Hey, they're problematic. <laughs> they're welcome to come wait, on wait, and... Wait, uh, these wait. damn dirty School Americans us. think they know better. <laughs> there's, there's like a guy who calls in. He's like, hey, I'm the guy Goretta is based on. I am not Spark Piet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Spirit Hunters. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat with us at our Facebook at Spirit Hunter Pod, all one word, or at our Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod, or buy us some coffee at Kofi.com/slash Spirit Hunter Pod. And remember that you can now listen to us either on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else podcasts aren't sold. Our intro music was made by Soul slash Harimo. Um, check them out at youtube.com slash user slash Harmo U. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and we'll see you on the other side. See you. Bye. See you guys. يسعى دوما <تصفيق>